The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the straight-talking business show dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs to be more successful. Coming to you this week from Los Angeles, where it's always beautiful, vibrant, and exciting. Now, we receive emails every week from all over the world, and this program is all about helping you, no matter where in the world you are. We've got listeners on five continents, so I want you to write to me, email me, tweet me, become my contact on LinkedIn, go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and subscribe to my newsletter. Tell me what you think, share your your ideas, your criticisms, and I'll accept your praise, and let me know what you'd like me to talk about. The great thing about today's business environment in almost every country in the world is that if you have a great idea, commitment, and perseverance, you can be whatever you want to be. I told some great stories a couple of weeks ago about teenage entrepreneurs who have been hugely successful become multi-millionaires without any experience, but obviously with great commitment and perseverance. These kids just came, simply came up with a great idea and made it happen. One of the great things and the thing I love most about America is that absolutely everything is possible. However, unfortunately, the government's been strangled by partisan politics At a time when youth unemployment's at a 60-year low and student loan debt is approaching $1 trillion and default rates are rising quickly, we need some drastic action now. Young Americans are optimistic about our country's future and they are demonstrating that optimism through entrepreneurship. According to a recent survey, 23% of young people started a business as a result of being unemployed. 15% started a business in college. And let's not forget our veterans who are twice as likely as other Americans to start a business. So why are business leaders and politicians not building on that entrepreneurial energy as a solution to joblessness and economic malaise? The fact is, it's high time that we funneled our collective energy towards rebuilding an entrepreneurial America. The ideas are here. We need to give them the support to allow them to nurture and grow. America's always led the world in technology, yet we're not taking the steps necessary to maintain that lead. 
We are allowing other countries who are pouring investment into technology to catch us. It's high time that we gave our entrepreneurs a hell of a lot more support. As an indication of the power of entrepreneurship, Facebook is responsible for creating 450,000 jobs, an idea at college. Rebuilding an entrepreneurial America, it's not an abstract endeavour. The Young Entrepreneur Council and their partners have identified a handful of tried and true approaches that are already fostering business creation by young people all over the country. The Young Entrepreneur Council determined five broad strategies that they believe need to be adopted to accelerate this vital movement. Firstly, we must integrate academia and the real world. In a 2011 survey, 88% of young people said that entrepreneurship education is vitally important given the new economy. And yet 74% of college students have no access to entrepreneurship resources on campus. And when resources are available, most students felt that they were woefully inadequate. My son Hunter, who goes to college in D.C., is looking to move to another university that has courses in entrepreneurship. It really is vitally important. This lack of entrepreneurship education is simply not acceptable. It's the 21st century. Entrepreneurial thinking is not just for entrepreneurs. Adaptability, creativity and financial literacy are core skills for American employees and so-called entrepreneurs, innovators within larger organisations as well as pioneers. They're also critical assets to our communities. Junior Achievement and the Aspen Institute found that youth entrepreneurship programs positively impacted dropout rates and community engagement, not to mention the development of risk-taking and opportunity recognition. But most employers today think high school and college graduates are seriously deficient in skills like leadership and innovation, and we face a steep shortfall of graduates that are majoring in science, technology, engineering or mathematics. If we really want to change the way America works, then parents, K-12 schools, community colleges, four-year colleges and entrepreneurship-focused non-profits, we must beat this challenge head-on. The National Association for Community Colleges and the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, among others, are leading the way. Secondly, we must eliminate government barriers. Even our deadlocked Congress has found bipartisan compromises in entrepreneurship-related legislation, including reforms to the patent process and student loan relief. But gridlock is preventing truly decisive action. From increasing state self-employment assistance programs and removing regulations prohibiting startups from openly crowdsourcing capital, we need the US government to do one hell of a lot better. As Americans, we must demand a boldly pro-growth agenda 
To start with, let's pass the Youth Entrepreneurship Act, which would defer or forgive student loan debt for young entrepreneurs using the precedent set by the income-based repayment program. And let's pass the VET Act of 2011 so our returning vets can use GI benefits to start businesses. An overwhelming 88% of young people feel the government does not support them. It is our duty to hold our representatives accountable. We can begin by asking them to stop handicapping the youth-owned startups of tomorrow. So pick up your phone, call your local congressman, send them an email, send them a letter, but demand that we support our youth and our veterans who want to get involved in building businesses. Thirdly, we have to invest in and mentor young entrepreneurs. Initiative Startup America Partnership and Dell's Entrepreneur in Residence Program are models for the private sector. Business leaders can team up with accelerators, venture funds, campus groups, regional leadership and non-profits to mentor, finance and train the next generation of entrepreneurs. Or they can pave the way for the next public software engineering school, as Union Square Ventures VC Fred Wilson did in New York. Franchisors can extend special financing to to youth and veterans. After all, direct economic output in the franchise sector is projected to grow 5% this year. And in un- and employment is scheduled to grow just 2%. We need to actively encourage our young people to work in startups, which generate all net new jobs. So these companies grow, young people thrive, more people get employed. Finally, we all need to start creating common sense avenues for financial support. Microloan financiers like Kiva are easing global unemployment throughout the developing world. But why not do it here in the US? And frankly, improving access to capital doesn't necessarily start with banks. Having non-financial support doubles the likelihood that a young entrepreneur will be approved for a commercial loan. The fourth point is to teach technology inside and outside the classroom. The web has revolutionised the way we do business, creating a far more level playing field for young entrepreneurs, providing that they've got the skill set to take advantage of it. One study found that small to medium businesses with strong web presence grew twice as fast as as those with only a minimal presence and created twice as many jobs. We need to prepare all young people for this reality through sustainable technology programs that work in tandem with academics. In the classroom, this means teaching hands-on software engineering, not just computing basics. The Bureau of Labor Statistics is projecting an employment increase for software engineers of 32% by 2018. Outside the classroom, companies like Code Academy can fill gaps in K-12 and college education by creating peer-to-peer platforms where aspiring coders learn by doing. Finally, we need to foster entrepreneurship 
at the regional level. Not all solutions fit all communities. For example, cities that are facing economic decline need to create resource-rich networks so young entrepreneurs can cut through the red tape at the local level instead of departing en masse to somewhere else. The Idea Village in New Orleans has sustained more than a 1,000 jobs and $83 million in revenue by retaining and supporting the city's entrepreneurs. Underserviced regions must develop ecosystems in which idea exchange, growth and financial support are readily available. From Silicon Prairie to New Orleans, entrepreneurs are bridging gaps between local government investors and backyard entrepreneurs. These hyper-local networks provide the momentum that Americans need to get new businesses off the ground immediately. It's time to fix young America. I'm only touching on some of the solutions that are working right now. There are leaders in every sector, government, education, non-profit and private, who can add to this list as we approach the 2012 elections. If we really want to shift the national conversation for good, then we need to lay all the solutions on the table so that our decision makers can see them. Importantly, this is not just about making life easier for millennials. It's about ensuring that when they become the 30, 40 and 50-something leaders of tomorrow, they will have the capacity and the ability to lead America forward. I just want to mention quickly about uh, an opportunity where you can get as much advice. How often do you sit there and you need advice on something? You need advice on an ad or you need advice on on how to get involved in social media or you need advice in on some sort of administration of your business and you think, God, I wish I had someone to talk to or then consultants are ten to $20,000 a day. You can't afford that. You can't afford to put on a marketing director. Well, now you can get advice as often as you like a month face to face from a global expert on Skype for just 2000 bucks a month now it sounds like a lot of money but you know you can you can get fantastic results i know of one instance where instead of getting 74 calls a month the company got 3400 calls a month so f- would your company be better off with 40 times more calls if it only cost you two grand a month. If you'd like to know more information, send me an email at bob at bobpritchard.com and I will put you onto them. And if you want to know more details about the 15 keys that will guarantee you success, pick up a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your local bookstore or at Amazon. And don't forget, let me know what you'd like me to talk about on the program. Go to bobpritchard.com, tweet me, Email me, contact me on LinkedIn, send me a smoke signal, send me a bloody carrier pigeon. I don't care. Just get in touch and let's get this country really moving again. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes with my first guest. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? 
Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Radio Show. This is a segment where we talk to movers and shakers in the business world and give entrepreneurs in all walks of life business tips that can help them in their businesses and help them to think outside that proverbial box. Our first guest today is a guy that I've known for a lot of years. Haven't seen him since it was, he was at my house, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, who has been hugely successful in the internet space and now has the balls to take on Facebook. For those of you who watch the business news channels, you would have seen some of the media conferences for his new business over the last few weeks. Ron Creevy was responsible for many of Australia's first commercial internet links in the 90s. He became managing director for Magna Data, and then it was owned by NTT Japan, with over 4,000 corporate clients in Australia. In 2007, Ron teamed up with mobile pioneer Thomas Zillikas, who started Nokia Asia, as together they formed Yuzu the leading global and payments company based out of Singapore. The first shot across the bow of Facebook is The Break, a worldwide battle of the bands, and over a thousand bands from all over the world have registered and uploaded their video clips to date. Today, Yuzu has 2 million registered users in 164 countries. Ron, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks for having me, Bob. Yuzu is described as a targeted mobile social network system with a mobile payment system. Why is yeah. this model needed? Is there a gap in this market? Yeah, look, there is. I mean, we, we, we started out from the mobile perspective first. We looked at what was happening with feature phones, and when the feature phones, which is your traditional sort of Nokia and Motorola handsets yep. that we were all used to having a few years ago, as the content was being delivered onto that, it was quite messy, right? I mean, you, it, was, it was hard to you know, know how to go and get content for mobile, and that's where the name sort of Yuzu come from. It's you and a zoo. So we started to segment the content off just the same way you sort of you wouldn't let all sorts of animals sort of mix with each other in a zoo. From there, um, the model's progressing with smartphones being uh, you know, coming into market with the likes of iPhone and Android and obviously mobile web being a lot more prominent. 
we start to, to move down the model of social networking and again following the same principles of how we separate the content out. So we'd have a channel that would be set up just for surfing or a channel that would be set up just for skateboarding or in the case that we're just speaking about now, a channel just for up and coming bands called The Break. So if you, if you look at like a Facebook scenario today, it, it, we, 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 we don't see ourselves competing with Facebook, but we're, we sort of, it's complementary to what we're doing. So if you go in Facebook and try and find young bands, it's, it's nearly impossible. There's no, there's no setup inside Facebook that says, show me all the young bands that are sitting inside the platform. Sure. With what we're doing here, I mean, in, in a four-week period that we've gone live, we have over 1,000 young bands all grouped together in one community. They then bring all their fans into that same spot and they all share videos, music, um, experiences, uh, photos, uh, sell tickets, everything that's relating just to, to up-and-coming up and music. What a great idea. So how does your revenue model differ from the other social media companies? Yeah, look, it's not, it's not too much difference. I mean, advertising is still the, the primary source of revenue for YouTube. Um, at the same time, we have integrated into the to the platform all of Apple, so for all of Apple's library and Android's library. So if we just look at Apple of iTunes, you can go in there and you can purchase music from the the break storefront, the top 100 or the top 100 albums, or um, you know music that's relevant from the young bands that's been set up inside the platform. It then goes straight to your iTunes account, and we have a deal where we earn have a revenue share back from the affiliates and with Apple from um, all music that's been purchased. People can also then purchase merchandise. It could be you know, Motley Crue shirts released by Live Nation. It could sure. be Bon Jovi um, or whatever. So we have we put a lot of content in there. So everything that sits inside the the, the break storefront is relevant to, to music or relevant to you know, the young bands trying to even perform with, at the at the Bamboos or with the likes of Bon Jovi. If it's a surfing channel then all the content's related to surfing. Do you know what I mean? All the apps are surfing-related. The, right the music is more surfing-related. Yeah. So what, what, yeah. Led, what led you through that decision process to make um, the Battle of the Bands and the opportunity to appear with Bon Jovi at Bamboos? Or what, what made that the first cab off the rank? It was like, for us, I mean, with Live Nation being the largest sort of, you know, manager yeah. of, of live music in the sure. world, I mean, they have many amazing festivals, uh, concerts. The bamboozle was, you know, the timing was right. It was in May. Um, the headlines were huge. I mean, Bon yep. Jovi, Foo Fighters, Skrillex and, and Blink-182. I mean, sure. you know yourself from sitting there in Sydney sometimes, I mean, you, it's hard to get headliners like that at any festival, right? Yep. Let alone let alone four of them together. So we, could, we thought, well, getting the young bands uh, to... to yes, you, they can compete to try and get a recording contract, but that's been done many times, right? I mean, you see that sure. with American Idol and you know, X yep. Factor and everything else. We thought, well, look, you know, the top, top bands here simply go on the bill. They perform at Bamboozle, where there's 300,000 tickets, I think, have been sold already, right? Yep. And on top of that, we would then be broadcasting across the... Bam we have the Bamboozle platform for social networking, where we'll be broadcasting the live events. So for the young bands... This is what it was all about for them. Two, two parts to it. A, to get the chance to be able to compete at Bamboozle, right? But yep. the thing is, they're already, they're already winning because they're sitting in the platform. They've been discovered. We all see them. Everyone's watching them. People are joining them. I mean, some bands have 1,500 friends in four weeks already. Wow. You know, they have they're 600 people that have cooled their video they've uploaded. So as far as they're concerned, they've gone from being a band that was maybe yeah, a small part of America... Uh, or maybe you know, popular in a college 
right through to um, right through to now being in a in a platform that all of America can log on and see and support and even buy their music. And I guess that I guess a big benefit is you don't get stuck with a contract with Simon Cowell. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what, exactly. What, what what is your relationship with um, Live Nation? I mean, it is the world's largest entertainment company, um, and uh, is that just yeah. for the break, or is that a longer term relationship? Yeah, it's these two events to start off with, right? So it's the break um, that we both do together. So in America, that's running across 20 different venues right now that Live Nation are hosting across right. their own venues. So each weekend, all these bands go and compete. So they go from actually having a um, – they also have a, a – the live performance side is a part of the, the criteria for them to progress through the competition, sure. right? Just, just in the American side. So Live Nation are hosting that and obviously Live Nation are managing the bamboozle side. If this all works out the right way, then Live Nation, again, like I said, they've got 600 events a day they manage around the world. They they have 48 festivals in the U.S. So we'd like to think that the relationship will progress a lot further than the two that we currently have. But it's like anything, I think we've really got to see how successful this these uh, first two events are. Yep. I, um, I actually worked with Michael Cole um, when I was with... Um the Packer Empire, I, I went to Canada and worked with Michael Cole for a couple of months when he had Concert Productions International. That was a fair while ago. Right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I deal mainly, mainly with Johnny D at the moment, who's the founder of the sure. Bamboozle, yep. and he's like uh, he's a visionary guy behind all the festivals for, for Live Nation, which is, um, I mean, the amount of effort that goes into one of these festivals is absolutely incredible. Yeah. The... Um, a couple of years, you started off in 69 with um, a couple of million dollars revenue for the year, so, sorry, 2009 with a couple of million dollars revenue for the year. What, what sort of revenue are you running now? Yeah, we did uh, last calendar year, so out we run on a calendar year, we did just sure. under $18 million in revenue okay. uh, and about $4.5 million EBIT. Uh, this year we're, we're, we're on target to do about 30 to 31 million, maybe higher. It just depends on how successful we are um, during the year of some of the deployments, and an EBIT of around nine 9.5 million. So the business, I mean, look, these it's 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 very difficult to build these type of platforms. I mean, it takes years. It's not like a website it took us years to get the platforms built, but they're 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 quite reward, rewarding once you do get them deployed. But that's the that's the big thing. You don't see too many competitors to Facebook for a reason. I mean, these things are sure. not easy to, yeah. Sure. They, well, that's a that's a great performance considering that um, you know times are tough and and revenue is hard to pull. There's a hell of a yeah. lot of competition out there. So yeah, when you go to an advertiser or a potential advertiser, yeah. how do you differentiate yourself? What's your what's your first couple of lines? Of your, what's your elevator pitch? I mean, for us, it's about, we're about eyeballs on the platform and it's targeted eyeballs. So if you're an advertiser that wants to advertise to, you know, teenagers in America um, that, are, that have a high, a high interest in music, then we've got a platform for you. Sure. I mean, if you're an advertiser that wants to target, I mean, you're billabong and you want to target, you know, Surfers. people that interest surfing, we have a surfing uh, network for you. So usually because of the nature of the way it's been built now, we can actually target the advertising a lot more than what most companies can. Yep. I mean, Facebook has very good targeting, you know, so there's no, there's no issues on that. They, they, they know what you're doing on that platform, and they'll serve ads up that will be very relevant to your behavior. Sure. Uh, we, we don't go down the path of, you know, snooping on what's happening on the platform. I'm not saying that they are doing that either, but 
we just know that if you're on a surfing platform or a skateboard platform, if it's a skateboard, then maybe a DC ad is, is relevant for you. If it's a surfing platform, billabong. If it's a music platform, it could be anything you know, from music downloads through to Gibson, etc. Or, or it can be event tickets. Right. So, so you've, you've deliberately set out initially to target phones rather than going the other way and having, you know, where most people started targeting um, yeah. the, um, the internet and have got onto phones simply because phones the big growth. There's going to be, what, three times more phones than there is people or something in, the, in 10 years' time. Um, exactly so, so, right, yeah. So you're out there really targeting that smartphone user who looks at his phone. I saw a number the other day from a company who said that the average person um, who is a, a person who uses social media, etc., now looks at his phone a minimum of 200 times a day. Well, there you go. I mean, that, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, and look, and, and to answer your question, yes. I mean, we started from mobile for a reason. We're sitting in Singapore. We understand Asia. We understand Southeast Asia. We understand where a lot of the big companies have had problems getting into, into places like China. We, we don't have that issue. Um, instead of coming and jumping into China as an American company or an Australian company or you know, even a Singaporean company, You've got to go into these places. You've got to find the right partner. You've got to partner the right way. You've got to get the content localised and right in that marketplace. And you've just got to conform with whatever the local laws are. It's as simple as that. And with mobile, all these countries, whether it's India, China, Southeast Asia, it's all mobile-based. I mean, we've had a great deal of success in the Middle East purely because we put good applications and good channels into the Middle East that was relevant to what people wanted. So... Getting that, getting that part done allows us, we, we believe, eventually become very strong because, like you just said, there's 5 billion uh, mobile phones out there today already, right? 5 yes. billion. Yep. I don't think we have more than 800 million broadband connections in the world, right? Yep. So there's a massive gap there. And I think a lot of people made a lot of money out of the Internet and the, the emergence of broadband, but this is happening all over again now. I mean, people are discovering the Internet for the first time now in Nigeria. They're discovering the Internet for the first time in many parts of the Middle East, uh, all of India, uh, Indonesia. I mean, look at Indonesia. Indonesia wasn't around in the dot-com days when we were all out there blasting away. Yep. Uh, but now it's the second biggest market for Facebook. You know, so... I mean, America today, I think, what is it? Facebook, America represents 18% of Facebook's user base. That's 18? right. Yeah, it's you amazing, I mean? isn't it? And it's amazing. So what Facebook has done is, is brilliant. They knew and they saw what's going on in these other countries. So we, 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 it takes a crazy person to ever talk down that model. We just want to tune it up a bit differently and just, you know, we improve meaning. We'd rather just let us sift through and provide you the content and channels that's relevant to you, right? And, and here's the big thing. If you use Facebook and you go in there, it's, it's you connecting and talking to your friends, right? Sure. Maybe you can connect to another friend of a friend, but you don't get too much deeper than that. Yeah. With Yuzu, when you're in the platform, so if you're in the break platform, everyone's random in there, right? So when you, you, you connect and make friends, it's because you've got the similar interests. Yeah, if you're in a surfing channel, it's because you've got a similar interest. So we're about making new connections, but not making a connection for the sake of, hey, let's go out and have dinner together. It's about, hey... Share your experiences. I mean, here's some photos of me surfing in Bali. Um, can anybody recommend a great break, you know? Sure. People, people can then share their experiences. Yeah, check this out. We went here. Here's a video. And they don't even need to ever have any, any further contact than that. But they're sharing information together because everybody's, 
I always say everybody follows something. Everyone's got some interest. If um, Yuzu can can get through where we want to be and let's deploy 420 channels by the end of the year, I think we will cover maybe a small fraction of those interest groups, but generally the most most popular ones that are searched on on the internet with Google today. Ron, I think it's a sensational idea and I, I, I love it. And it was great to catch up with you again after all these years. Well, hopefully I'll see you in California soon, mate. (laughs) Mate, I look forward to it. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Ron or about Yuzu, go to www.yuuzoo.com. That's www.yuuzoo.com. And I'll be back with you after this short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. This is where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's extraordinary people and what makes them tick. You know, most extraordinary people that I've ever met began life in an average, ordinary sort of a way, like most of us. But what makes them interesting and great? This is the segment where we find out. My guest today in this segment is Kenny J. Anderson. And Kenny recently completed a world tour, travelling 55,000 miles in 50 days to 15 countries in six continents interviewing leaders in sports, business, entertainment, and government. He's written a great book encapsulating what he learned. The book is called Common Denominators for Success, which addresses both personal and corporate excellence. Kenny has also created a business leadership development program that produces measurable results for organizations and individuals, no matter where they are 
on the planet. As a guy described as having a no-excuses, just-results approach, Kenny's perfectly suited to the Bob Pritchard straight-talking radio show, and I welcome him now. Kenny, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Good to be here. What, country did you, what countries did you visit on this world tour? I started off in Santiago, Chile, and uh, then went to Buenos Aires, Argentina, up to Switzerland, uh, Madrid, Spain, Morocco, Netherlands, Belgium, uh, France, England, and then I hopped over to Asia and hit uh, the Philippines, Hong Kong, Seoul, South Korea, and then finished off in Australia. Fantastic. What a great trip. Although you wouldn't have stayed much, <laughs> had a very long stay in any place to really enjoy it, would you? you know, I think my longest time in any one country was five days, and that was in London, England. And yeah. so it was a, a fast and fur- furious trip, but uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. Came back with some unbelievable content. I'm sure. And contacts. So how yes. did you set up meetings with all these leaders? You know, I had a good friend that had worked back in Europe for a long time and was well-connected in the oil industry. And that was the kickoff. And through that contact, contact, I uh, continued to explore the, the various contacts until I had one key person in each country. From there, that key person set up key interviews with people like ambassadors uh, of, uh, in Argentina to top CEOs of companies to anchor people uh, like Kim Judah in South Korea and lots, uh, there's some Olympic athletes along the road, and so they, they made possible something that was extraordinary, and that was the opportunity to, to uh, get in front of these key leaders. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I, I speak to um, some incredible people on the show, and uh, I'm just amazed by the attitude of some people and the degree of knowledge and specialty that people have. is just extraordinary. Um, so what, what was the main thing that you learned on this trip? Well, I think, you know, as I went into each interview, each interview lasted about 45 minutes, and the some of the main questions I asked as I went into the interview were, how do you define success? What are the key, most valuable priorities of life? What has made you most successful? And I, I think out of everything that I gained, the most significant was when I asked people what uh, success meant to them, to these leaders, I was expecting what most people in the world might expect, and that was I thought they would they would measure that success in terms of monetary gain or fame or recognition. Yeah. But to my uh, pleasing surprise, the vast majority of the leaders that I interviewed measured success in terms of what they could contribute to others rather than in what they could gain. And I found that to be a really profound discovery and something that I talk a lot about in my speeches and in my consulting. Do you think, do you think it's real, though, or do you think it's something that they say because it sounds good? <laughs> you know, that, that's, a great, that's a great question. And, you know, in these interviews, um, I, I wondered after the first couple, I thought, you know, I wonder if this is somewhat put on. But when I, when I interviewed these individuals, I felt a very and, – and not every one of them was necessarily financially – uh, successful, although sure. many were, hmm. but uh, as they as they got into their their sense of accomplishment, you could you could tell a deep sense and rooted purpose for what they did, and I think that that was real evident in their emotions. Oftentimes, uh, you know, some of the interviews, you know, they they were driven to tears because they kind of went inside themselves 
to recognize the influence they've been able to have on people, you could you could definitely discern a very noticeable uh, a noticeable meaning behind what they were saying. Did you notice a difference um, between different age groups as they got older? Did they become more um, more wanting to give back, or did you not? Or was it um, pretty even across all age groups? You know, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I definitely sensed that maybe people with a little bit more experience and maybe a little bit further along in years <laughs> probably to the had a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I sensed that maybe a little bit more intro uh, insight in maybe perspective sure. from those that were a little more well-seasoned. But even, you know, even in a lot of the, uh, the, the younger people that I interviewed, I still sensed just a, um, a, a great desire to identify their own unique talents and gifts and be able to contribute that in a meaningful way, both professionally and personally. So how can this information be useful to the average business owner out there? You know, I, I think in business, sometimes people lead in business with it, it becomes all about the money. And I think sometimes instead of finding that treasure within inside oneself and saying, you know what, yes, I definitely want my business to be profitable. Yes, that is important. But what do I have to offer? What yeah. value do I bring to the table in a sense of service and or product? And I think when a, when a business owner or an individual can identify what that value is and can contribute in that manner, then the money comes as a result. Sure. What, um, who are the most impressive leaders that you came across? Is there any that sort of stuck out as being really exceptional from the pack? Two, two in particular that come to mind, one gentleman named Robert Kwan out of the Manila, Philippines. Mm-hmm. I was most impressed uh, by him because he had started a, a fast food chain in Asia. It, he intended it to be the McDonald's of Asia, right. and it was called Chow King. And he, within about 10 to 15 years, had set up 155 of these restaurants. Wow. Okay. And after this time, he said he hit a crossroad, and he had to decide whether it was going to be about him or it was going to be about contribution. And at that time, he sold his 155 restaurants, and he took a large chunk of sum of money uh, of his own personal profit, and he built the country's largest hospital in the Philippines. Wow, okay. And his intention, his purpose, was to be able to create a first-class medical facility at third world country prices. Right. And that was significant and you could just uh you could feel that that desire for contribution in that regard. His was definitely one of the most meaningful interviews of all. What was um what was his motivation behind it? Did he have parents that were ill or a child that was ill or something? Was there a, a real personal reason why he built put money into a hospital rather than something else? You know, I think he, I think he, you know, he definitely saw the, the need for a lot of these little kids coming into medical facilities, not getting the, the proper attention that they, they de- deserved. And that, that touched a special chord in his heart. And I, you know, every year he goes and, uh, dresses up, uh, and, and goes and hands out gifts of Santa Claus in, in different parts of, of the, uh, of the world and in the Philippines. And he just has a tender heart towards kids, and I think that he knew that that would suit a very meaningful purpose there and a great need. Oh, that's 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 great. I, I've got a, a friend. Um, I work with a a fellow who is one of the best cricketers in the world. Not that 
<laughs> most people where I live, um, I live in California and I've lived there for 25 years, but cricket's not exactly a, a first sport that comes to mind. Um, and he is now a, poli- a big politician in Pakistan and uh, he built a big hospital there, but it was because his mother died of cancer, so he had that sort of tie to, to, um, to build the hospital. So what were the greatest discoveries that you... Um, um, uncovered during during this almost two months tour? You know, be, besides that great desire for contribution, I also realized that wherever you go in the world, everybody's basic needs, people want the same kind of things. People yeah. want to have a, a, a deeper abiding faith. They want to have a stronger connection with other people, with their families and significant other people in their lives. They want to have good health. They want to be able to manage their time and resources wisely. And they want to be able to discover... A, a personal sense of contribution to feel ultimately fulfilled. And it, to me, it was amazing. I, I had an interview in Seoul, South Korea, with an anchor woman named Kim Judah. Mm-hmm. And just a fantastic woman. But we got into that interview. It was the day after Osama bin Laden had been had been killed. And so things around the media room were, were quite crazy. <laughs> and we were supposed to have a 45-minute interview. She immediately told me it would only be 15 because of the uh, the necessity for sure. her to go on uh, live TV. And at the end of the 14 minutes, I wanted to respect her time. And we got down to the end. I had asked her about her career. She had an impressive uh, resume and an unbelievable accomplishments. And my last question to her was, of all the things you've done in your career, both personally and professionally, what is the most significant accomplishment and I'll never forget her reaction because it brought tears to everybody in that room. She looked down and she started crying. And as she started crying, she looked back up and she said, I've had a lot of great career accomplishments, but nothing will replace the value I feel as a mother. Yeah. yeah. And it was such a somber moment. And I think people just felt the sincerity of what she said. But in that moment, I realized, you know what? Every everybody wants the same kind of things. We're all we're out we're all after results in our Absolutely. personal and professional life, and yeah. I think that was very significant. So, how have you applied what you've learned um, into your leadership development model? To me, it becomes based around that contribution, and it's helping people to identify within themselves what it is that they want to contribute, both in a personal and professional way. Mm-hmm. It becomes a matter of helping people to believe that those results or those uh, aspirations are possible and then helping others, organizations, and individuals put a plan of action in place and then ultimately, and I think most importantly, be able to execute that plan. I find that a lot of people, they have lofty, great dreams, fantastic dreams, but the difference between the dream and having it become a reality has a lot to do with that execution. Absolutely, it has so, everything to do with that execution. <laughs> it, it does, and I, and I find that as I go around and help companies and individuals put that in place and execute the plan, I draw an immense amount of gratification being able to see people who take that dream and make it into a reality and are able to experience that sense, sense of contribution that ultimately is the most significant thing that brings that fulfillment and that feeling of success. Okay, Kenny, last question. Um, was there something that stood out that these uh, leaders noted as being a major deficit in the world, something that we really needed to fix and fix quickly? Yes, the uh, the overriding, in, in almost every continent that I went to, 
I ultimately, I had asked them that question at the very end and asked them, what is, if there's one thing that our world lacks in the business world, what is it? Unanimously, that ultimate deficit was the ability to communicate. Yeah. And that communication, not only, not only, uh, linguistically, but also be able to, to, um, to be able to communicate culturally with other people. Empathetic. And so, yeah, I mean, in, in, in France, for example, when McDonald's started in France, it didn't go well until they introduced the salad and the water, because that was a big cultural difference hmm. and something that was significant in France. And so the ability to communicate was something that they, felt like was a big deficit and something that there was a great opportunity to improve in this world with business. Okay, Kenny, it was great to speak to you today. I really appreciate your time. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Kenny, go to his website, which is www.kennyjanderson.com. That's www.kennyjanderson.com. And I'll be back for the last segment of the Bob Pritchard Show just after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Show that's coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. I can uh, tell by the emails that we receive each week that people are listening to us on five continents across the globe, and I appreciate that. Today's been a busy day. I um, I gave a presentation this morning to 350 people uh, downtown, and uh, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Most of the emails that I get here are from the United States, but I'm going to answer at least one email a week from our international listeners, so keep those emails coming in. I'd love to address your issues. I think the reason this segment's so popular is that um, irrespective of where you are in the world, whether you've got a big business or a small business and whether you, no matter what sort of business it is, we all have the same challenges. So 
even though I might be answering an email from somebody who's got a totally different business than you do, it is highly likely that the answer somehow relates back to your business as well. My first email today comes from Diane Skinner of Santa Barbara, California. Just up the road. I love Santa Barbara. It's a fabulous place. Hi, Bob. I came across one of your blogs from your website a few days ago. I was searching on Google Francis for some problems I am having at the moment. I'm doing some work for my daughter in her fashion design business. She has had some financial problems in this economic downturn, so I've stepped in to help her out. I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed because I've never worked in a small business before. I listened to one of your shows and you mentioned something about being able to get expert advice on Skype. I don't have time to do a business course at the moment, but being able to speak to an experienced person on Skype seems like a godsend to me. How does it work? And can I just call you whenever I want to? Diane, as you probably found out, hiring a business consultant is very expensive. So a group of people who are very successful and and I, I'm included in this group, we, we got together to provide a relatively low-cost service for, for any business. So for a monthly fee of just $2,000, no matter where you are in the world, you can contact an expert on Skype face-to-face as often as you want and go through the issues with them and solve whatever your problem is. Um, the whole thing is... is the whole motivation is that uh, these experts want to um, want to give back to the community. So, Diane, if you want to get all the information about this service and find out how to get started, you can go to www.marketforce1.com um, or send me an email and I will put you onto them. Uh, good luck and congratulations on being so proactive in getting answers to your problems. And don't forget, if I answer your email on air, I will send you a copy of my latest book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. This book, I guarantee you, will help build your business. And Diane, I'm sure you'll get a lot of support and answers from reading the book. My second email today is from Alexander, who writes, Dear Bob, thanks for your great program. In the program last week, you mentioned that risk reversal can increase the chance of closing a sale by up to 70%. Apart from giving people their money back, which may be a great risk reversal, but in my opinion, invites people to take advantage of you, how else can you do it? Alexander, firstly, in my experience, people seldom take advantage of a money-back guarantee unless your project's your product's dodgy in the first place. But there are a number of alternatives that you can consider. One is matching competitive offers. If they find a similar product elsewhere, you can match or better their offer. You can also offer to replace the item if they're not happy with it and give them another item up to the same value or whatever you choose to do. You can have a buy one, get one free offer or offer a free trial. Now, One of the most successful risk reversals though, are your testimonials or the awards you may have won. These are third parties saying how great you are. You know, people expect you to blow your own trumpet, but when somebody else says that you are really fantastic, um, that means a lot more. I have examples of all of these risk reversals in my new book and how successful they are, so a copy is on its way to you, and you'll be able to get more detail about anything you don't understand that I might have mentioned on the show. So we here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show are all about helping small business to be more successful and more profitable. It's about you. 
Remember, I want to hear from you, so visit my website at bobpritchard.com, sign up for my newsletter, email me, tweet me, become my friend on LinkedIn, and tell me what it is that you want me to talk about. That's it from me today in beautiful Los Angeles. This is Bob Pritchard, and I look forward to being with you again this time next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.